Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we were last time. We're looking at the study of temptation and sin, and we've seen so much in our area. I'm going to go really fast. This, is, this lesson really has too much in it. It could be three lessons, but what we're going to do is do it in one. I just want you to see big ideas, how things fit together, and do this. We have been seeing the big three areas. What is temptation? Where does temptation come from, and how do we deal with temptation? Temptation is the pull to do wrong. Where does it come from? It comes from the world, the devil, and the flesh. How how do we deal with temptation? That's what we've been seeing over these weeks. We can have victory because God has given to us some things. He's given us God's promises, his provisions, and our responsibility. We've seen his promises. <clears throat> We're now looking at the provisions. And we've seen two of the three provisions, and there's a lot there. And we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on any of these one areas. But we have seen that God has given us the, the Word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit, and he's given us the armor of God. We just started last week on the armor of God. We're going to go very quickly through it this morning. Uh, there'll be one other lesson dealing with that. I just want you to see this. Uh, a lot of times when we study, we studied Ephesians a long time ago. We've taught, we've actually had like a short study on the, on the armor of God. But this is, uh, we're just touching on it. But this is a key because God has given to us this so that we can stand firm. Think about what he says. He says, be strong in the Lord and then put on in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm. And then in verse 13, he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so you can have done everything to stand firm. Then he says in verse 14, stand firm. What do you think he wants us to do? Stand firm. I mean, that's so, this is what we see over and over. So that's the plan, and we're going to look uh, quickly at the armor of God. God has provided armor so we can stand. Now, when you think about our lives. We need protection. Think about it. We, like protection from loss. We all have most, well, everybody has car insurance and house insurance and all those kind of things. And then we think about our health. We have health insurance and we exercise and we go to the doctor. We think about our houses that we have, you know, locks on the doors and alarms. We all want protection. But we realize that in a fallen world, we have to have protection. And we, we don't just, God didn't say, just do the best you can in a fallen world. He said, I'm providing for you. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm giving you the armor of God. And so in Ephesians 6, we saw this last time, verses 10 through 13 is the charge to stand strong, and that's what we kept seeing, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. He says it, stand strong, be strong in the Lord, Put be strong in the Lord. Stand. In fact, in verse 10, be strong. Verse 11, uh, stand firm. Verse 12, stand firm. Verse 13, stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm. Over and over, he's saying, stand firm. And so that was the charge. And then we've seen the armor. And if you remember, there were six things of the armor. There was the truth, you know, the, uh, the belt of truth and the the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes shed with the gospel of priests and the helmet of, excuse me, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the word of God, which is the sword of spirit. So that's six things that he's given to us. You remember I talked to you about this, that when this was written, Paul was in prison in Rome. And when you think of prison in Rome, we always think like being in a dungeon or something. But there are two times Paul was in prison in Rome. The first time is when he wrote the, the Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon letters. Those are called prison epistles. He was in prison, but he was in house arrest. So he was actually in a room. People could come see him. Uh, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And so probably when he wrote this, God, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he was writing, he thought about how do we stand strong for God and he looked over and he saw that soldier and in his mind God gave him okay put on armor 
God's armor. And he went down and looked, you know, there's a belt of truth and there's a helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword. So he saw all that. And so this is why we call it the armor of God. We started last week with the belt of truth. The belt of truth is, at the bottom line, is if you don't have the truth, you have nothing. We talked about how a lie will go all over the world and truth is still putting on shoes. And the bottom line is God has given us the truth of the Bible so we can recognize we can recognize false things. I had, a, I had a cousin that worked in a bank. and This was back when I was much younger. I think I was 10 or 11. And I was talking to her, and I said, do they tell you about counterfeit money? And she said, oh, yeah, they tell me about counterfeit. I said, well, how do, they, how do you know if something's counterfeit? She said, what they did when they first hired me, they put me in a room, and they gave me $100 bills, $20 bills, you know, the things that people use the most, and I just counted them. And I said, counted the real money. She said, yeah, because after a while when you've seen the real stuff over and over, immediately you'll recognize something false. It just immediately. Uh, and so this is true. When we know the truths of the Bible, immediately you know when something's not right. If somebody said to you, we all know that you need to be baptized to be saved. Immediately what? You know that's not right. You know that salvation is a gift by faith alone and Christ alone. It's not works. It's not anything you do. It's not anything we do lest we should boast or anything like that. So the moment you hear something that's contrary to the gospel, the message, you know it immediately. You know it immediately. Because you don't have to go over all what all the cults believe and all that, although we've done that in the past. We've done all that. But you don't have to do that because you know the truth, and when you know the truth, immediately you recognize error. We said that the Bible shows three areas of truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. God's Word is the truth, John 17, 17. And the Holy Spirit is actually called the Spirit of truth in John 14, verse 17. So that's the truth. We saw that last week. Now, from there, we're going to move a little further down. If you notice, look again at verse 14. He says, therefore, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. And then he gives the second one. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the second thing is he saw this breastplate, this thing. We all seen the movies, and they got this thing, and, and you know, somebody hits them, and it bounces off. And it's called a, a kind of a, a breastplate. And he, Paul calls it the breastplate of righteousness. And so when we stand strong in the world, then it all goes back to righteousness. Now, how many of you in this room are perfectly righteous? Why don't you raise your hands? Did you trust Jesus Christ as Savior? What did he give you the moment you trusted? Having been justified by faith, you know, we have peace with God, and he says, to him who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for what? Righteousness. Are you righteous? Are you perfectly righteous? Raise your hand. Yes. Man, this is fantastic. First of all, when we think of righteousness, God has given to every believer righteousness, his righteousness. As far as your position is concerned, you are perfectly righteous before God. How do you think you're going to spend eternity with him if you're not righteous? The moment you believe, he gives you his righteousness. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing? So you can go, <laughs> I'm pretty righteous. No, you're not pretty righteous. You're perfectly righteous. Okay? Now, that is your position. That's not exactly your experience. Okay? But anyway, that is our position. The second thing that we deal with on this breastplate of righteousness is that we're to live out this righteousness daily. We're to live out who we are. Who are we? We're 
righteous children of God. Am I right? Aren't you perfectly righteous? How are you supposed to live? Look at this. It says, Titus chapter 2, he says, teaching us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously and godly in the present age. That's what Titus 2.12 says. It says, the, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously and godly. So how are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live out who we are. In fact, this passage says, walk worthy of the calling. What's your calling? You are a righteous child of God. How are you supposed to live? As a righteous child of God. Now, I know we all, we all mess up. That's one of the reasons we're doing this study on temptation, because we all mess up. But if we would wake up in the mornings and say, who am I? An old sinner saved by grace or a righteous child of God? You walk out these doors and you know that you're a righteous child of God and you're to live out, we are to live out who we are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. And that's why when Paul said that the, 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 put on the breastplate of righteousness, because that's what it is. It's, we, we are righteous people, and we go into a fallen world, and Satan says, you're scum, and you go, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a child of God, and I'm righteous. And you don't deserve to go to heaven. I, I'm, I'm righteous. I get to go to heaven. I get to be with God forever. You're not good enough. No, I, I am good enough, because God gave me his righteousness. See, that's who we are. That's how we live in a fallen world. There's this, look at the next one. It says, stand firm, having girded your loins with the truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, have your feet shod, and, and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the next one is the shoes, shoes of the gospel of peace. And, and what, what I, didn't, I did a study on, on Roman armor, and they had these shoes, and, and on the bottom of their shoes, they had what we'd call today cleats. They were things that stuck out the bottom of their, of their shoes that they could anchor themselves. So when they fought, that's one of the reasons they had advantage over people. They, they were smart. They were ahead of their time. And so the gospel of peace, when you think about it, two aspects of this gospel of peace, these shoes, that's firm so you don't slip, and, and they were to go out. The, you know, the, the Roman soldier wasn't saying in Rome, they were going throughout the world. Our good news, notice what it says, and your feet shed, prep, uh, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We know what the gospel is. The good news is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose again to conquer death. That's the gospel. The response is to believe in him for eternal life. We know what the message is. And what we do with this message is first is it's the foundation. This is the foundation for what we do. The foundation for what we do is the good news message of Jesus Christ. When we talk about what separates us, when we talk about our church, and we tell people what separates this church from other churches, we have the grace message of salvation. It is the foundation for who we are. We are people who believe that Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Everlasting life. And we don't add to it. We don't confuse it. We preach the message of Jesus Christ and salvation by faith. And what we find today is the church announces the good life instead of the good news. I talked to somebody the other day. They go to a different church. I said, what are y'all doing? You go to church. They, they give life principle messages. They tell us how to live a good life. We are here to teach the Bible, proclaim the gospel which is the death and resurrection of Christ, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. We're not here to announce the good life. We're to announce the good news. And so Paul says, have your feet locked in, anchored on the gospel message. 
the gospel. With that, an idea is to go out. We're to take the message. We're ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. People for years had the wrong conception of church. They thought you come to church to get people saved. So what you're supposed to do is bring your friend to church and the pastor's supposed to give a message and at the end you have 27 altar calls and you're trying to get people saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that you gather together as believers for worship and training and that evangelism takes place as you scatter into this community with the message of Jesus Christ. We go out as ambassadors. We're witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we don't present the gospel. We always present the gospel on Sunday morning. There may be people here who have never trusted in Christ, but the bottom line is we are the believers meeting together to worship Jesus Christ and to be trained and equipped. And then as we go out into this community, we're going out with the good news message, the gospel that brings peace. That's what it is. That's the, that, that is the message. In fact, the gospel, and when he says the gospel of peace, it's the gospel that brings peace. You're justified by faith. You now have peace with God. Okay, so what have we seen so far? We've seen righteousness. You live righteously in a fallen world because you are a righteous person. We see that you've got an anchor. The anchor is the gospel message, the death and resurrection of Christ, and you're to go into this community. We are to go in this community. That's where we start. We're spreading all over the world. I, I just got, let's say, oh, my gracious, my mind's completely blank. I just got an email from somebody who's watching our stuff and, oh, I forgot what country's from. My mind's blank. I mean, I don't mean it's bad. We get it all the time. I just got a recent one, and I can't remember. It, it, it wasn't India. No, it was somewhere else. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But the bottom line is our message goes out through this website, through these video messages, through our, through our stuff. But we start where? Right here. Because this is where we live. So we got to go into this community with the message. It's the gospel that brings peace. Okay, there's two more. We're going to go through them fairly quickly. And notice, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you'll be able to distinguish all the flaming errors of the evil one. The next one is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And that, they basically, when Paul saw that and he thought about and, and the Roman soldiers had, there were actually two different shields. There were the small round shields. You've seen them. They were like a circle, and the soldiers held them. And then there were these big shields. Big old, and they, what they would do is somebody shooting a bunch of arrows, they'd all get behind those big shields. You've seen it, right, in the movies? I, I know we haven't seen it in real life, but we've seen it in the movies and things. And, and this word for shield here is the big one. It's not the little one. It's the big one. It's the one you hide behind, and things just hit on it, and they don't get you. And he's saying that... In addition to all, take up the big old shield of faith, which will be able to stop, extinguish the flaming arrows, uh, arrows of the evil one. Now, what that means is Satan, as we've already seen, we know his devices, right? We know what he's trying to do. He's trying to tell you things that aren't true. He's going to lie to you. He's a liar from the beginning, John 6, 44. He's going to tell you that God doesn't love you. He's going to tell you that the, it doesn't matter what you do, that you, that you can be like God. You can do anything you want to do. And he lies to you all the time. He tells you sin doesn't hurt you, won't bother you. You're, you're free to do anything you want to do, and it won't harm you. He's a liar. And so what you've got to do is have the big shield that when all this stuff starts coming at you, you can stop it. Now, here's what faith is. People are so confused, but faith simply is this. Faith is taking God at his word. That's what faith is, isn't it? 
Faith is taking God at his word. It's actually being persuaded of something. That's what faith is. And so faith is saying, I take God at his word. If God said, I love you, and I've given my son who died and rose again for you, and if you will do what? If you believe in him, you have eternal life. So faith is saying, I believe that Jesus is the one who saves me, so I now have what? Eternal life. That faith is taking God at his word. If he says you need to study so you can be strong, we say, okay. If he says you need to put on the armors, we say, okay. We're taking God at his word. Now, I want to show you something that a lot of people get confused on. First of all, this, faith always has an object. Always has an object. There's no such thing as a leap of faith. I've had people say, just believe. I say, believe what? It doesn't matter. Just believe. Believe what? You have to have something to believe. I've had people say, it's faith and faith. There's no such thing as faith and faith. There's always an object to faith. There's the famous story about the guy on the cliff. You've heard me say it many times. The guy is walking on the side of a mountain at night for some reason. We don't know why. And he falls off and he grabs a hold of a branch and he's hanging on and he's screaming, help me, help me, I'm falling. And all of a sudden, a voice out of nowhere says, hello, I'm here. Listen, you, don't, you can't tell it, but six inches under you is a big ledge. If you will let go, you'll fall on that ledge and you'll be safe. People call that a leap of faith. That's not a leap of faith. Who's he believing? The voice. There's something to believe. And so in, in our lives, what's, what's the object of our faith for salvation? Jesus Christ. What's the object of our faith for the Christian life? The Bible, right? Yeah, the Bible. Well, you can say, I mean, because Jesus is the living word. So you can put it all together. There's an object of our faith. Now, here's the second one, and this is the one people miss. The key in faith is the object. Because if you've heard people say things like, did you really believe? What do you mean, really believe? You either believe or you don't believe. There's no such thing as really believe. There's no such thing as partly believing. You either believe or you don't believe. You either take it as true or you don't take it as true. You either take God at his word or you don't take God at his word. It is not uh, the amount of faith that you had. Did you, did you really believe? It, it's, it's not whether you were sincere or not. It's really, it's, it doesn't work that way. I want you to think about that. What if I said, and you've heard me say this many times, what if I said... I'm going to put all my faith in Buddha. I mean, every bit, I'm, I'm putting, I got so much faith in Buddha that, I mean, I'm like bursting over with faith in Buddha. Am I saved? Why? Because he's not a savior. I can put all the faith in the world in Buddha and I'm not saved because it's not how much faith I have. It's the object of my faith. If I put my faith as small as a grain of mustard seed in Jesus Christ, I am saved and saved forever. So it's not the amount of faith that saves you. It's not, did you really believe? There's no such thing as that. I mean, I read people all the time, scholars, if you really believe in Jesus, now you can believe but not really believe. That is ridiculous. It's stupid. And just call it for what it is. It's stupid. There's no such thing as really believing. Either you believe or you don't believe. And the object of your faith is the key. And if I believe in anything other than Jesus Christ, I'm wrong. If I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm saved forever. It's that simple. That's why the shield of faith is the key. It's, the, it's not the quality or the quantity of faith that counts. It's the object of the faith that counts. Think about truths that we believe. All things work together for good. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Why should we fear? He'll supply all our needs. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Those are truths from the Bible, and you either believe them or you don't. And the shield of faith is, I take God at his word. That's what the shield of faith is. I got one more this morning. We'll go through it quickly. And if you notice, it's at verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Then he gives one more, and I'm going to mention it, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're going to talk about that one next week. But he says, take the helmet 
of salvation. There's one more. Can you imagine Paul looking at that guy going, let's see, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, big old shield, helmet of salvation. And because what he's saying there is this helmet of salvation meant wrapped all the way around your head. It, it, the, God has a salvation plan that totally saves. Now, if you've never had my, my uh, two-two class, you may not grasp this or understand this. But there is more than one kind of salvation in the Bible. And I'm not talking about, because we're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, but the word salvation is used for physical salvation. A person is in trouble. If I said, man, I was, had a flat tire and, and uh, uh, Paul came along and, boy, he saved me that night. We know he didn't save me eternally, and we know he didn't save me in a sense of something, but he saved me from being stuck on the side of the road and, and not having a flat fix. Or so we, we got all kind of things where somebody was in the swimming pool and they were going under, and somebody jumps in and they said, man, he saved me. I was drowning. Okay, that's physical salvation. And by the way, over 70 to 80% of times the Bible in the Old Testament, the word salvation is used 80% of the time. It's a physical deliverance salvation in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's, it's more of a physical deliverance and a Christian life salvation than it is an eternal life salvation in the New Testament. So every time you see the word salvation, people think it means uh, eternal life salvation. It doesn't. In fact, there are three different aspects of salvation. If you've never heard me teach this, we are saved. First of all, God totally saves. We're Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. By grace, we've been saved through faith and all this. There's, first of all, he saves us from the guilt and penalty of sin. God saves us. His salvation is total. We're all dead in trespasses and sins. We deserve to, be de to, to go to hell. And Jesus Christ came and died for us, paid for sin, and rose again. And when we trust in him, we are saved from the guilt and penalty of sin. We will never be separated from God. That's past tense salvation. Every one of us in this room who have trusted Christ, we all trusted Christ, right? Then you have been saved. You have been saved, okay? And that's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved. It's past tense. Okay? There's a second salvation, and that's saved from the power of sin. This is what we're trying to do in this study, is save us from the power of sin, the sin and temptation, and how can we have victory? How can we be saved from the power of sin and temptation? Well, we've been seeing armor of God and all these different things in this study. This is the Christian life salvation. That's why he writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul writes in Philippians 2. He's not talking about salvation, uh, like eternal life salvation. He's not talking about work for your salvation. He says, work out who you are. You're a child of God. Live it out in your Christian life to be saved from the power of sin. That's present tense. So you have, have you all, you have been saved, right? You now are what? Being saved. You are. You're being saved. And sometimes people will read a verse and it'll say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And people will go, I thought I was already saved. You are. You have been saved. That's eternal life salvation. Well, now we're talking about Christian life salvation. And there's one more. There's a future one that we, he will save us even from the presence of sin. That's when Jesus Christ comes to get us, takes us to be with him, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. We're going to always be with him. He takes us from the presence of sin. That's future. So one day you will be saved. So you understand that? You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. God has a total plan of salvation. And so that's why he calls it the helmet of salvation because the word helmet actually meant to wrap around. It meant the idea of wrapping around. So some great stuff there. Now, okay, we're out of time. So here's what I want you to do. Think about this armor. 
God says, I want you to have victory. We got one more. We'll see it next time. But he says, I want you to have victory. So I want you to do this. I want you to know the truth. Okay? I want you to know the truth. I want you to understand you're righteous. I want you to go with the gospel message and be anchored in that. I want you to trust me, the shield of faith. I want you to go back to the Bible. That is the basis for faith. And you go back and you believe it. And then I want you to understand that God just hadn't saved you in the past. He's saving you in the present, and he will save you in the future. He's working all of these things. So application is this. Let's stand against temptation using the armor of God. Let's hold to the truth of God. Let's live out our righteousness. Let's proclaim the grace message, the gospel, clearly. Let's live by faith, taking the shield of faith, which is, of course, trusting God and his word. And then let's understand God's total plan of salvation. All of those are true. We got one more, and that is, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I want to say one quick thing before we end. When you put on the armor of God, if you remember, he says, put on the armor of God and then do what? Stand firm. Okay, he didn't say go fight. You understand, you're not fighting. You're standing firm. The Bible actually says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You're not going after the devil. Even the sword of the Spirit is not offensive. I've had people say, all the armor's defensive except the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, so you go after the devil with the Word of God. No, when Jesus was tempted, did he go after the devil? No, the devil came to him. What, what did he use? The Word of God. So listen, you're not fighting the devil. We're going to do the study in the fall, Angels and Demons. That's going to be on Wednesday nights. It is unbelievable how much stuff's there. I mean, I am, I've, I've studied for four weeks. I've only got two lessons put together. I mean, really. I mean, I mean, there's just so much there. But let me tell you, you're in a spiritual battle. The devil is a, an angelic, evil being. You don't want to mess with him. You want to put on the armor of God, and you want to stand strong.